Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we're talking with Dr. Andrea Malkin-Brenner on what to know before you go to college and when you're there. One of the things for a college professor is I didn't get just the student's brain when they came into class, right? I'd get the whole student. And when students would fail to thrive in my classes, and I'm not saying fail, I'm saying fail to thrive, it really wasn't because of the academics for the most part. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members and even a College Scoops care package. Dr. Andrea Malkin-Brenner is a college transition educator and author who brings years of experience as a college insider to her talks and workshops for high school students and parents. Andrea is the creator of the Talking College Cards, the original card deck of discussion prompts for college-bound students and their parents. She's also co-author of How to College, What to Know Before You Go and When You're There, a student-facing book that guides high school graduates through their transition to college life. Andrea worked at American University in Washington, D.C. for 25 years as a sociology professor and administrator. She created the university's nationally recognized first-year experience program, and directed the largest freshman living learning community. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I was so thrilled. We like connected through Annie Vinnick. Yes. Of Vinnick Educational Consulting. So I want to give a big shout out to Annie for introducing us. Indeed. And then all of a sudden I found out that you're a Westfield. You used to live right next to my Summit neighborhood. You got it. So it was wonderful kind of connecting the dots. And you have a son and a daughter, college and graduate. So you've been through this whole process. And you taught at American University for so many years. So you got to see firsthand both in the classroom and outside of the classroom helping students. I'd love to hear that program that you launched, which I can't believe we went to college without a first year experience. Amazing, right? Yeah. And about 76, 77% of colleges these days have some sort of first year experience program, but they didn't exist when we went to college. They really are helping students. So my story is I'm a sociologist by trade and I was a sociology professor at American University, classroom teacher for 20 years. And one of the things I was focusing on was sociology of the first year students. I taught a class called Sociology of the First Year Student Self 
Self and Society. And it really talked about the sort of psychological impact of development and the sociological impact and the anthropological impact of the adolescent kind of moving from a teen to a young adult and how the college sort of as a micro society affected that student. And that sort of blossomed into me being asked to move into an administration position at AU. I worked with the provost and created AU's first year experience program called the American University Experience, AUX. And that program is still alive and well. It's a mandatory full year, first year program. I left several years ago, but the program has taken its own twists and turns and it it is wonderful. It's really terrific. I just watched the little video that they had on the website of the program and you were teaching and helping students, seeing from your training and background how beneficial it would be. Was it something that took several years in order for like the administration to see the value of it? That's a great question. The administration realized that they needed a first year experience course. So I was asked by the administration to take that on. It took about three years to build from a 15 student seminar pilot that grew to, you know, a little bit, maybe 60 and then to 200. I think they just rolled it out to 24, 2,500 students. Lots of years to sort of build it and test it. Lots of focus groups along the way. And AU did a very unique experience where the first semester, the fall semester is is a fairly typical first year experience course taught by first year advisors. And it has a lot of typical college transition related curriculum. And the second half of the course and probably the part that I'm most excited about called AUX2, the spring part of the course, which again is mandatory, is really a sort of a crash course on sociology. It looks at inequality and power. It looks at race and cross-cultural communication, and it just has so many different parts to it. It took a lot of time, beta tested it, small groups, and then basically rolling it out. Was it almost like the benefit of the administration seeing like, oh my gosh, what took so long? Like they just saw the value that it gave to students and allowing them to transition and feel more confident in who they are in their new home. Yes, I think so. And I think that's the sort of the curriculum side of it. I think another side of any first year experience course is finding a small group discussions where students can sort of find their people, right? So they may be in a situation where their roommate is fine as a roommate, but not necessarily a best friend. That's absolutely fine. But they're really searching for affinity groups or they're searching for people like them. And this is an opportunity to really get to know a diverse group of about 20, 25 students very, very well to really interactive class. It's just a neat experience, as are most FYE classes. I also was looking through it in terms of with the whole peer mentors, too, how they have students. And that is something that even you see in some high schools, they're having peer mentors, the seniors mentoring the freshmen through that period. It just seems like a natural fit and like students would want to give back. So it's an easy sell to kind of get community members to engage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the peer mentors at AU and the peer mentors at many colleges in their FYE classes, just like the RAs, the resident assistants in your residence hall. I mean, those are some of the best resources on campus, right? Because it's just a student that's just a few years older who really can act sometimes like a big brother or sister. They can kind of lead you along the way. They can mentor you. They've been there. They've done it. They've made mistakes. They're old enough to be able to comfortably talk about the mistakes that they've made, right? Sometimes, you know, second semester freshman isn't ready to talk about all the mistakes they made in the fall. But once you're a few years out, it's easy to 
to look back and say, you know, let me help you. Let me take your hand. Let me help you do it a little bit differently than I did. I learned these things a little too late. At any stage of your life, you always want yes. the cheat sheet in terms of <laughs> yes. if you can avoid some of that unnecessary pain, uneasiness and stress. And I think sometimes as parents, and I've made this mistake often, you have a certain goal that you're working towards, whatever that may be, and supporting your student through their academic journey, their sports journey, arts journey. And then all of a sudden, it's like you got into that school and you drive them and you're like, hey, great. See you. <laughs> See you at right. family weekend. And then right. come home for Thanksgiving. But there's so much more that that student was probably feeling and not knowing how to express that. So Absolutely. that as a professor, probably too, you saw in the classroom, like so many Every year must have presented the same. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, even just assigning a paper to students that I've assigned either the same or something similar in the past. All right, I'm going to tell you how my students last year had trouble with this. Let's talk through some of the mistakes they made so I can help you avoid the same ones. Very much so. Parenting is very similar. As a professor in the classroom, was it something that you kind of saw consistently throughout? And that's kind of what you use to formulate the program in terms of coming in unprepared or the whole transition about lack of sleep or not eating well. In the book that I co-authored with a co-professor at American University, Lara Schwartz, called How to College, What to Know Before You Go and When You're There, we created the book really because the two of us spent a good year, year and a half, talking about all the insider knowledge we had that we would share, as I just mentioned, with our students, and that we felt there were other students who could really benefit from that insider knowledge. And we decided to put it in a book, and we're thrilled when Macmillan picked it up. You know, I think your question's a really good one, Moira. One of the things for a college professor is I didn't get just the student's brain when they came into class, right? I'd get the whole student. And when students would fail to thrive in my classes, and I'm not saying fail, I'm saying fail to thrive, it really wasn't because of the academics for the most part. Some students struggled for sure. Office hours are important. There are lots of resources on campus. But um, where students would sort of fail to thrive in my class were all the non-academic things, right? They didn't feel well because they didn't know how to refill their allergy medication. And that took away from them focusing in class. Or they had a fight with a roommate and really didn't know how to work through things. And they were in tears in class, you know, so these things just impacted their academic performance. And I would see that as a faculty member. Those are some of the things that you brought into the whole first year experience too, right? Yes. At different stages and different segments about like, whether it's the academic, whether it's the roommate living engaging Absolutely. in your community. For sure. And, you know, one of the things that I've written about, I've actually written for college scoops about is high school is very different than college, right? College is not just a bigger high school. And so much of it has to do with the time inside and outside of the classroom, right? So we know that in high school, a student is going to class about 35 hours a week and in college only 10, 12, 15 maybe hours a week. But that doesn't mean that they're not supposed to be spending a lot of extra hours studying, reading. There's a tremendous amount of reading in college as compared to a typical high school curriculum. So that's a lot of information that nobody is really telling them. So unless you're reading a book about college transitions or unless your high school is preparing you, and most high schools don't, and it's not necessarily their job to, students are very, very surprised, I find, first-year students, how different college academics are. It doesn't mean they can't handle them, but it's a very different structure than it was in high school. Absolutely. And I think if you knew a little bit about that in terms of, you said reading, if you're then maybe not the fastest reader, there are things that you can do. You're going to have to adjust yep. your schedule to accommodate that intense reading. I loved a couple segments in the book also where you talked about college writing is different 
different and that's just not like writing a paper but you even said about the nuances of communicating with your professor and the proper etiquette of yes. how you should do that absolutely and something i say to students all the time or, or parent i when i talk to parents i say make sure your students know this we say in our book you know little things like when you're a, a students now often take notes on their phone and that's something that i really would discourage in an office hour with a professor a lot of the professors are, are old school and would expect you to come in with a notebook and a pen you know would make maybe wrongly so, but would make an assumption if you pulled out your phone that you were doing something other than note-taking. That's a way to sort of think in advance, prepare for that. You know, there've been lots of studies on the impact of office hours and all students benefit from going to office hours with graduate TAs or with their professors. And a lot of students are very afraid to do that. Sort of walking over that threshold is just a frightening experience. The first year experience course at AU and many FYE courses in the U.S. actually have a required office hour visit as part of the curriculum. So realizing that, you know, the first time you do it, it's a little scary. And then you realize this is a real professor and they may have a picture of their kid on their desk or their dog. And it just feels a little more like somebody's home. It feels like you can get to know them. It's very different even than it was in high school when you talk to your teacher before school or after school or during lunchtime. I mean, this is kind of going into the professor's world. And more than not, students are pleasantly surprised by how welcoming their professors are. Well, as you said, they're office hours for a reason. They're inviting you yes. in. I also yes. love, you know, in terms of asking something non-academic related or non-course related just to exactly. break the ice. And just to, as you said, they're human. They're there to help you. They wouldn't have office hours if they didn't want to be there. But I think sometimes finding some other connection other than that particular course just humanizes everything. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. It's also too, when you talk about students and the way they operate now with phones and text bytes and technology. I love it. I'm a little old school too. There is something about the handwritten note or the proper etiquette in terms of addressing dear so-and-so, sign-offs. Sure. Those are little things that could just make an impression and make it a little bit easier to communicate. Yeah, I agree. Learning to write a professional email, learning to leave a professional voicemail, those are things that students can easily learn before coming to college. You know, I talk about it in my cards. I talk about it in my book. And again, it's something that's often not taught in high school. Parents are capable of teaching it. They just don't know that it's necessarily required, but colleges do expect that kind of behavior and professionalism. And so there's a chasm sort of in between what high school doesn't teach and what college expects you to know. And I, I think the summer after graduation, if not, you know, junior or senior year of high school is the time to start learning some of these pre-professional, pre-college skills that will be required. There was another piece of advice, which I loved. I mentioned my college roommates are coming to visit me and I have your cards out there. So we're going to have a really good Thank you. conversation <laughs> because I think a lot of this stress that students are feeling could be minimized by just having that conversation and allowing them to basically voice that to their parents. And yes. you had one suggestion in terms of the summer before you go to college, go to some event where you know no one. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's just going to give you, okay, I'm feeling a little bit like I'm going to throw up. My stomach mm -hmm. hurts. Mm -hmm. What was it like to walk into that room not knowing anyone. How am Absolutely. I going to do it better when I walk into freshman orientation? You right? got it. Exactly. Especially for a student who has anxiety issues, go to your public library to a free event in the evening, something that interests you, but you know nothing about. And just go in and sit and be present. Do it by yourself. Stay off your phone. You don't even need to bring a friend, but you certainly can. And these are wonderful suggestions because everything is going to feel new in college. And, you know, if you're used to attending events that you're unfamiliar with, you are more 
likely to attend those type of events, lectures and things in college. I can't tell you how many times I've had students in my office hours over the years and they'll tell me something that they're interested in. And I say, oh, I just noticed there was a lecture about that. Did you attend? And they said, no, I didn't have anyone to go with. And, you know, I would think to myself, but there's 200 people in the room. But just walking over that threshold was just anxiety provoking for that student. I'd love students to prepare for things like that. You do it once and then you realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. Could be a bust, but it could be you meet one person or see one friendly face that just makes it a little bit easier the next time that you go in. I agree. You work on your skills, your communication skills. That intro didn't go well. Maybe I'll change it up next time. That's well said. And I would say that carries over to working with campus resources, right? One of the things that a lot of first year experience courses do and a lot of college orientations do is they show students where certain offices are on campus, including the counseling center. And, you know, why is that so important? Because if you are in need, especially in a crisis, to get to the counseling center and that's your first time finding it on your campus, that's going to really put extra pressure on you. So figure out where the counseling center is early on, walk up to the door, make sure you know where it is on your campus and where it is in relation to your residence hall. And if you do need to use it, if you feel that that would be a good resource for you, you've been there, you've done it. And the extra overwhelming piece isn't there because the stress enough, why add extra stress? So I I think all of that's so important. You were to give like a couple tips, like three tips to students. And then I'd love to ask you for some tips to parents as well. What to do to prep for that wonderful driving up to the college, getting out for orientation and starting your next adventure. Absolutely. Students first, I would say, be open and honest, right? Your parents are going to be a wonderful resource for you, regardless if they've been to college before or not. There are resources like my cards, but other resources as well, which will give you some conversation prompts. So have those what would you do conversations, similar to what I just said about finding the counseling center, right? Teasing out what happens if I lose my winter coat? What happens if my laptop is stolen? What are the things you're going to need to know, right? How does your health insurance work? So instead of waiting until you're sick to find medication and learn how to get to the health center, do that all in advance, be over-prepared. So I would say that's a wonderful idea for students is to be over-prepared. COVID has taught us a lot about how really fantastically flushed out a lot of our campus resource web pages are. So I would encourage students early on, second you put down a deposit and you know this school is going to be yours, start looking online at the clubs and organizations and affinity groups that your school offers. Do you want to join a religious or spiritual group? Are you interested in Greek life? Are you interested in a sports team, performing arts, whatever it might be? Find out all those resources and then take the extra step. Reach out through the Facebook group or by email to the president of the club who will be an upper class student. I can't tell you how excited that junior or senior will be to get an email or a message from a student saying, I'm an incoming student and I want to join your club. Can you tell me what the dues are, what nights we meet or whatever it is? That student will be so far ahead because they'll be introduced to others. And so, you know, don't wait till the club fair, which will happen, you know, sometime in the first couple of weeks of school. Don't wait till the club fair to start learning about those clubs and organizations. My dream would be to have first-year students walking around that club and activities fair looking specifically for things that they've already researched because they want to find more about, you know, an acapella group. We'd also say it takes the stress away too, because at those club fairs, it's like sensory overload. There's so many people there. Sensory overload, yes. So to your point, you've already kind of established a list or know a little bit about it. So 
it's not so unfamiliar when you end exactly. up introducing yep. yourself. And I would add to that campus resources. So right. all of those amazing resources that are on campus, the writing center, the counseling center, librarians, sort of the unsung heroes of the campuses. They are the greatest people to help you research your first college paper. You know, those are all things that you can find out online in advance, you know, not to wait till there's a crisis before you figure out where you can go for help. People don't realize that most colleges in the U.S. have, for example, mental health counseling sessions, six to eight of them usually included in their tuition. That's something that you're not necessarily even paying out of pocket for. They're just wonderful resources and you could go just for normative stress. You don't have to go for distress. So that's huge. I don't think many students know that or parents. And mm -hmm. that in itself would just be such a distressor to know that it's there. It's available because you've already paid for it. So why not? Absolutely. And the counseling center is also a wonderful resource if you need individualized counseling in that campus town. They'll help you find that. There's wonderful resources right at students' fingertips. They just have to search online for a lot of these things. And a lot of our student ambassadors have always come back and said, this was great. I'm somebody who gets to the airport two hours ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I, need, <laughs> I, need, I don't like racing last minute, but that's something else. If you have your class schedule, walk around and do a dry run before the first yep. day. It kind of all of a sudden puts you at ease and you don't look like you're frantic trying to find right. the right place. Right, especially on a large campus. You might need to take a shuttle, Absolutely. you know, from one end of campus to another. Another one would be time management, which I think is probably the first year students <laughs> toughest challenge across the board. And that's something that students could really and should really be starting in high school. Certainly getting up with an alarm on their own, getting out of the house, making their lunch, making sure that they learn from their mistakes, right? Not having the parent rescue them and taking the paper out of the printer that they forgot to bring or not rushing over their, their soccer jersey if they forgot that. Figuring out what happens if you do forget these things because mom's not going to be there on the college campus, hopefully. And then I would also say something that all colleges encourage is students checking their emails from the day of acceptance. Mm -hmm. There will be a lot of emails from that college. And as soon as you put down your deposit, you're given a new student ID. You will have a student email account that will have your school's name on it. And that is the communication for the school, you know, that goes directly to the student. And lots of students miss really great stuff. You know, anything from signing up for classes, academics to, you know, a comedy show that's going to be the first week of college and tickets will be sold out if you're not checking your emails regularly. So that's a really, really important tip. It's so important because not only for the student, but also for the parent, as you said, things come out about family weekend or different yeah. events. And that is the biggest hardship to realize that you're the only person who on your suite or in your floor that missed out on that opportunity. The other thing I would always also ask, and I know you have with your kids too, it was like, how do you learn? My question to my kids was almost like, where do you learn best? Mm -hmm. Think about that before you also start off the semester. If it's in a quiet area, the library might not be the best spot on a Thursday night or whatever that may be, but know you and the way you learn and also with roommates, they always say, if you like to go to bed early, you have to disclose that. I agree 100%. That roommate questionnaire is so important. And it's important for students to realize, as you said, they need to be honest about who they are. You're not filling out a questionnaire for your aspirational self, right? Oh, I know by the time I get to college, you know, I'll be organized or I'll be neat or I'll start going to bed early. Right? Let's talk about who you are. Realistically, who you're going to be matched with is going to be somebody who has some of the same, you know, living style. But I would agree, you know, be honest 
honest and open, know how you learn and where you learn best, but also realize that your brain is changing, that you might find that you study better with music once you're in college, or you might need a completely silent place. And so, you know, there are lots of different study areas in college and know that your first semester, you're going to kind of be feeling that out. And that's okay. Those are great (laughs) pieces of advice for students. Now to that wonderful parent segment. I'd love to say, because I do a lot of parent workshops and webinars, and I do say to parents, first and foremost, breathe and remember that you've been preparing your kid for independence for many, many years, but don't expect them to go from dependent to independent overnight. That's just an unrealistic expectation. I also tell parents, and I do think parents appreciate this, when a parent drops off their student at college, they're seeing that student with all of their years of baggage, right? So I remember when you were the last one in your class to learn how to uh, tie your shoes. We still have a joke in our family because my daughter who's a doctoral student right now and, and truly an adult, I remember getting a call from her preschool teacher and the first line was, Dr. Brenner, there's a crier in every class. Oh, no. <laughs> she was talking about my child at two and a half or three. So that's become a family joke. But it's so hard sometimes for families to see their child as the college sees them, right? So we don't see that kid who couldn't stay through the sleepover. We see a young adult with a clean slate and we're going to treat them as such, right? So yes, it's a transition for all, but parents, I hope you all remember that we are really seeing a college-ready student and we are going to expect a college-ready student. So try as hard as you can not to think you're dropping off. You know, as you see their back, you're not dropping them off at a birthday party from years ago. They're really ready. We don't also, I would say this, we being people who work on college campuses, we don't expect perfection, right? We don't expect a first-year student student to excel academically and also socially and emotionally. We do expect bumps and bruises along the way. There are going to be students who sail through their classes but have trouble making friends. There are students who socially it's not a problem at all, but they really are, have difficulty with time management or executive functioning skills or writing. So nobody's going to have it all their first semester. And that's something it's really important for parents to know. Emphasizing that kids going away to college need to know more than learning to do laundry. If you look at a lot of these lists online, you would think if my kid knows how to do laundry, they are college ready. Laundry is an important skill, but something that hopefully they know before they actually head off to college. You know, it's things like time management. We mentioned that things like learning to be alone. We've also mentioned that trying new things, thinking outside your comfort zone, cross-cultural communication skills, talking to people who have grown up in a very different environment than you. That could be politically, that could be religiously, racially, and really learning how to talk to people across difference. And I would say to parents, and the same thing I would say to students is start having those what would you do conversations. Start thinking about things that are realistic. That's actually why I created the Talking College card deck because I realized there are all these wonderful discussion prompts out there and nobody was sharing them with parents. And parents of college students today may or may not have gone to college, but if they did go to college, it was a very long time ago and college is a very different beast. And so, you know, talking about what's really happening with binge drinking on campus, talking about what's happening with sexual assault on campus, you know, mental health on campus. These are issues that really should be spoken about well in advance. I think not only for the student and personally, as you said, but also they're part of a community now. They're going to be engaging, supporting, and if somebody else is in need, what would you do? How would you help your fellow classmate if they had some type of distress going on? And I think that's important. It's almost like, who do you go to? Like, have that conversation about, it's not the parent. They're not on campus. So what would be 
the lines of communication and who would you go to first? You have the RAs, yes, you have your academic advisors, you know, you have a dean, but there should be a process or some people that you can automatically kind of reach out to in the event that you needed to get someone or yourself help. Yes, absolutely. So I would say that's twofold. One, there are sort of personal connections, right? So emergency right. contacts within the family, really important for the student to have that, to discuss, to make sure that person knows that they're the student's emergency contact. Maybe, you know, it's an aunt or uncle in a nearby area, something like that, or a family friend. And then also that flowchart of the university, right? The organizational right. structure. So, so if there's a problem with the heat in a residence hall, that that student knows who the first person to call is. And it's not the parent, right? right? And if the parent does get that call, they need to kind of turn that back on the student and say, I am not here to fix your heat. There's a structure. Go figure it out. You know, ask your RA. If that's not the right person, they'll tell you who to go to. It's so hard because as parents, we're fixers. We've been doing that from K through 12 and hopefully less and less as our students age, but that's the role of the parents. We solve problems and we now need to help students help themselves to solve those problems. And there are a host of campus resources. So that would be the greatest lesson I could give college parents today is say, don't answer the question, even if you know the answer, push it back on your student, not in an emergency. Health right. and safety emergency should always come to the parent. And of course, the parent should always be there. But things like I mentioned, you know, of something in your residence hall that is not an emergency situation, put that back on the student. You're in college now. There is a structure. This problem has happened before figure out who to call. And I would say that goes, as you said, to any type of area. If you have a roommate and there's problems with your roommate, it's like, okay, you get a new job, you can't quit. How are you going to work through it? And how are you going to make it so that you can learn to survive and learn to adapt and make the best of it without quitting? Because that's no way. That's just going to continue to foster a behavior that you're not going to succeed in anything that you do. I agree. And, you know, college is challenging. It's a very rare student who steps onto a college campus and doesn't face any challenges. You know, a lot of college students haven't really had to make friends, maybe even since elementary school. And so sometimes that's very challenging. And I don't think we're honest with students. I don't think we say, you know, your college roommate's probably not going to be your best friend for life, your freshman year roommate. And that's okay, right? We say that in the book is, you know, the best roommates don't necessarily be best friends with your roommate. You know, if you end up best friends on top of it all, terrific, but striving for somebody who just has a compatible living relationship is is great. And a lot of college students don't meet their people until sophomore year. You know, if you meet them freshman year, that's terrific, but that's okay. And of course, COVID has thrown a wrench in all of this, made things even more challenging. So, you know, if they're there for four years, hopefully, and I can't encourage students enough to have a realistic expectation. It's not always orientation week when you find your people. You're a mom but you, you were a professor. You have seen how many classes of students come through in your time, 25 years worth. Yes, so yes. this is like for parents, a relief to me to hear almost somebody like yourself who's been the eyes and ears on a college campus, seeing these students, it's nothing new. It's just, that's why schools have the systems and tools and resources yes. in place to support your students. You're 100% right. And I would also say that that should give a little bit of relief to parents, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, we hear from parents a lot. Well, you don't know my kid as well as I do. Of course, <laughs> you know your child best, but we've seen maybe 20,000 of that age student, right? And so your student, as unique as your student is, we have seen a lot of the same adolescent young adult development issues. They're common, they're normative, and we really know how to help. I love that. It's so important. We always love to ask our guests two last questions. 
So what do you okay. wish you knew before attending college? I wish I knew before I attended college, I would say I wish I knew more about health insurance. I knew very little. I broke my ankle my freshman year of college in a cheerleading accident. <laughs> and this is pre-cell phones and reaching my family was tough. And it was a very scary experience, not knowing where to turn, where to go. I was in a lot of pain and I wasn't exactly sure what to do. There was a lot to sort of take in. And that was a very frightening experience for me. I had never been to a hospital emergency room on my own. That was new. And I wish I had had those conversations in advance. That kind of sticks out as over-prepare, you can never go wrong because all you can do is you spent some time talking about some things that didn't happen. We're all about food here. Is there a favorite, yes. <laughs> favorite food on a college campus you would recommend? Sure. Well, if I can, I'd love to talk about both of my kids' college campuses. Definitely. So um, my daughter went to Brown University and there is an amazing little Syrian dessert place called Aleppo Sweets right near Brown's campus that has just incredible Syrian desserts and teas. So that was our favorite find near Brown University's campus in Providence. And my son, who is a current student at Tufts University in Davis Square, great eating places right next to campus. There is a bakery called When Pigs Fly, which has absolutely fantastic chocolate chip cookies, really great breads. Stopped there before heading on a plane home and uh, and picked up one of their breads. So those are my two favorite at my two kids college campuses. Well, I was talking with your son and I'm like, hey, should we meet up at Union Square Donuts? <laughs> and, and I think I had read about when pigs fly. So maybe next time I should say, hey, let's go over there. I love yes, that. Yes, he definitely <laughs> knows that place. <laughs> Andrea, thank you so much for sharing so much incredible advice and the book and the cards. It's a fun activity. Like sometimes I think kids will roll their eyes and just think, oh, I don't want to talk about this, but you can really make it fun and interesting. And if you have other siblings, older, younger, it's amazing what kids throw out and how that generates a whole different Thank discussion you. that you didn't anticipate. So. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Andrea, for such a fun and insightful conversation. As a professor and first year administrator at American University, you have firsthand experience of the challenges students face as they transition from high school to college. College is not high school. The academics are more rigorous and the expectations are higher for students. Yet there are so many ways we as parents can help our students get ready to college. Knowing what to know before you go is essential to step foot on campus day one with the confidence and information you need to excel. Most universities now offer a foundation course for all freshmen. Parents can also help out by having conversations with their students throughout the college planning process to better equip them with the knowledge they need to manage the transition a little easier. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com podcast. You can learn more about Andrea, the Talking College Cards, and our book, How to College, What to Know Before You Go and When You're There, on our website at www.ambrenner.com. Please take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.